listening to the Top Knots and Double Shots podcast, where we believe every woman deserves to be happy, healthy, and totally fulfilled. We're breaking through the mom guilt, quitting that negative self-talk, and diving into how to find your joy, your passion, and your tribe. I'm your host, Amanda Masterson. So throw your hair into a top knot, grab a cup of coffee, and let's chat. Hey guys, welcome back. Today, I want to talk to you about self-care. Now, let me start by saying that I think self-care is so, so important as a mom, as an adult, as a wife, as a human. But I also think that our culture today glorifies self-care as this frilly, fluffy, feel-good, extreme thing that's portrayed as being just out of reach for most of us most of the time. I think our culture has labeled self-care as bubble baths and spa days, mom's night out and a giant piece of chocolate cake. I think self-care is starting to become recognized more as things like daily exercise, which I think is wonderful and necessary, and I think that is starting to get closer to the root of what self-care actually is. But in a nutshell, I think self-care is still primarily seen as treating yourself, escaping from the stress of daily life, and I think it is seen as even being a little selfish. As moms, especially, there's somewhat of a sense of guilt around self-care too. In truth, I think self-care is actually the practice of forming healthy habits in your daily life. It's not the frilliness of bubble baths, spa days, girls' nights out, or a giant piece of chocolate cake. Although I do think those things have their rightful place too, and can be part of your self-care perhaps. But self-care is anything that you do to keep yourself healthy, mentally, physically, and spiritually. Self-care should not be that thing that we fall into when we've had it up to our necks in daily stress and chaos. It should be something we block out regular time for so that daily stress and chaos does not pile high enough to threaten to swallow us whole. If we're practicing self-care the right way, we won't need that girl's night out or that glass of wine to keep from strangling our kids. We absolutely deserve that night out, And we should make regular time for that and for our friendships outside of mamahood, but we won't seek out those things at our breaking point. So today, I want to share with you what I believe are five key pieces of true self-care. And then I'm going to share with you the secrets that will help you to make self-care a regular part of your life too. So let's go. The first key component of self-care is taking care of your body daily. This means fueling your body with clean, healthy, nutritious foods. It means moving your body daily. It means drinking your water. And it means getting adequate rest. It seems silly to even ask why this is important, but I think that there are enough of us who do not do this that it is totally necessary to address the why. So first of all, The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6.19, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, and you are not your own? 
So that's reason number one, because God commanded us to take care of our bodies. You get one body to live in, and how you take care of your body now will in part determine the quality of life that you have as you continue to age. 80% of chronic illness is due to lifestyle factors, not genetics, not chance, not luck. I'm going to say that again. 80% of chronic illness is due to lifestyle factors. That means how you are treating your body and what you are putting into your body. It's the daily choices you make that may seem insignificant in the moment, but those small, seemingly insignificant daily choices add up to either significantly increase or decrease the quality of life you will most likely have. Cause and effect, friend. And if that's not enough, if you're a mama, let me remind you, you have little eyes watching you. I battled body dysmorphia my entire life as far back as I can remember. I had a poor relationship with food. I have had hormonal and gut issues almost as far back as I can remember. And none of these things are like super fun. It has been a lot of work to overcome these things. To keep some of those demons tied up and locked away in the basement. And those things are all interrelated. Body dysmorphia and poor self-image resulted in a poor relationship with food. A poor relationship with food led to hormonal issues and gut issues. Those hormonal issues led to an infertility struggle when Thomas and I were trying to start a family. And let me just be super, super clear. These issues that I have dealt with are no way related to the way I was raised or the model of my parents. But... If I can even slightly change the trajectory for Peyton and Caden too, and help them to not go down those same paths that I did, well, I would do whatever it took to set them up on a path to a healthy self-image and relationship with food. And hopefully that will also help them to avoid some of the other negative health issues as a result. And now, I am absolutely not saying that you have to live a 100% clean and healthy lifestyle. My favorite rule to live by, 80-20. If you can remember that, you will be doing well. Eat clean, healthy foods at least 80% of the time. Sweat or stretch daily. Drink at least half of your body weight in ounces of water every day. And get the rest that you need. Poor sleep, whether poor sleep quality or quantity, can result in hormonal imbalances, decreased energy, increased fatigue and tension, increased irritability, and so many other health problems. Some of us need six hours. Some of us need eight. Figure out what you need to thrive and commit to going to bed at a time that will allow you to get the sleep that you need. Okay, number two. Another key component of self-care is being introspective. This means paying attention to your body and your mind. It's noticing when you're cranky, when you have a headache, or when you're happy. Let me ask you this. When you have a headache, what do you do? Do you head for the medicine cabinet, pop some ibuprofen, and get on with your day? Or do you think, why do I have a headache? Am I dehydrated? Did I not get enough sleep last night? 
Is something weighing on my mind and causing me to hold in some tension or stress? Did I eat something that always triggers headaches? Too much sugar, caffeine, maybe gluten? Understanding the why behind our headaches, our moods, our stress levels, our upset stomach, or whatever it is, is key to self-care. So how do you start to do this? My best recommendation is journaling and tracking. Are you tracking everything you eat? your sleep patterns, your water intake, and also any out-of-the-ordinary symptoms like headaches, upset stomach, fatigue, irritability, nervousness. When you start to track all of these things, you can go back and look for correlations. For example, I recently went on an elimination diet to help determine if I had any food sensitivities. While I was tracking everything that entered my body much more religiously than normal, I realized that I had a constant headache all day long on a couple of different occasions. So I went back and looked for commonalities. And I discovered that my headache always came about 12 hours after drinking a diet pop. Every single time. Okay, so I can eliminate that pretty easily now. And let me tell you, I don't even want to pop because I know that in 12 hours, I'm going to have a pounding headache if I drink it. Maybe for you, it is not what you're consuming that's causing your increased stress or anxiousness or headaches, but maybe it's the people you are surrounding yourself with or the situations you're putting yourself in. Do you have a friend who, every time you see their name on your caller ID, puts you immediately into a funk? You roll your eyes, you think about not answering, or maybe you don't answer. Or maybe every time you hang out with a certain group of friends, you walk away feeling inadequate. Pay attention to those things too. You cannot change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. Surround yourself with friends who lift you up, friends who cheer for you behind your back, friends who are honest and caring and who lift your spirits after a chat or a visit instead of dragging you down. And that's going to take me to the third component of self-care, which is boundaries. Now, boundaries can be something that are super easy for you, depending on your personality, or boundaries can be very, very difficult. First of all, you need to know your boundaries. You need to know when to say no. Maybe it's no to hanging out with a certain friend. Maybe it's no to helping at a school or volunteer committee when you know your plate is already full. Maybe it's no to allowing your kids to do something that goes against your values, even if it seems pretty mainstream these days. Whatever it is, know your boundaries and enforce your boundaries. Enforcing your boundaries will not always make you the popular mom or friend, but I promise you that it will help you to keep your self-care in check, and you will feel much better having stood your ground and kept true to yourself and your beliefs. If you're one of those people who find it hard to say no or to enforce boundaries, then share your boundaries with a trusted friend or your spouse so they can help you enforce them when it gets hard for you to do so. I personally do not typically have a hard time enforcing my own boundaries, but I want to share some tips with you if you are someone who does have a hard time. Number one, learn that no is a complete sentence. You do not have to justify or explain to people why your answer is no. Number two, remember that when you say yes to something, 
you are saying no to something else. Let's go back to the example of saying no to helping volunteer on a school committee. Let's say another parent asks you to head up the bake sale for the school carnival. I don't know if they even do that anymore, but anyway, you get the point. You know that you do not have the time to organize and head up the sale. You already are committed to X, Y, and Z during the weeknights. When you're tempted to say yes because you're afraid of what others will think of you or because you don't want to let them down, remember that if you say yes to that bake sale committee, you are saying no to something else. Maybe it's being present for bedtime routine with your baby. Maybe it's cooking dinner for your family. Maybe it is the side hustle after the kids go to bed. Whatever it is, are you willing to say no to that by saying yes to the bake sale committee? Number three, schedule your day. Do you time block? I absolutely swear by time blocking. Time blocking is basically just writing down my schedule every day, hour by hour. If I want to watch a TV show, it is on my schedule for the day. Dinner with the girls, it is blocked. Grocery shopping, blocked. Bedtime routine with P&K, blocked. This makes it super easy for me to know what I can or cannot add to my schedule. It's much easier to say, hey, let me check my schedule real quick. Oh, I am so sorry. I already have that time blocked. If you're not quite comfortable just using no as your answer yet. And number four, get your spouse on board. Make sure that you are both aligned on your boundaries, both individually and as a couple. This makes sure that your sweet husband does not commit you to that party on Friday night that you really cannot fully commit to without breaking another commitment somewhere else. Okay, number four. Another key component of self-care is guarding the doors to your mind. Although this is similar to setting and enforcing boundaries, this is more about what you allow into your mind and whether or not you are tending to and watering the seeds that you plant. One of my coaches said, you have to guard the gates to your mind. It doesn't take any effort on your part for weeds to grow at those gates, but it does take intentional and consistent effort for you to keep those weeds pulled and your flowers tended to and flourishing. So what seeds are you planting? What are you watering, if anything? Or are you just letting the weeds take over? Some of the key ways you can plant and water the right seeds is through personal development, daily devotions and prayerful time with God, meditation, rest, stretching, affirmations, and evaluating the people you are surrounding yourself with. When it comes to guarding the doors to your mind, I think it is also very important how we talk to ourselves. What does our inner dialogue say? When you slip off course, do you beat yourself up or do you just redirect yourself and get back on track? When you experience negative emotions, and we all do, do you feel guilty for experiencing those emotions and then allow yourself to spiral downward? For example, when you feel anxious, do you worry that you're feeling anxious and then end up feeling even more anxious because you're feeling anxious? Or do you accept those negative emotions? and we are going to go back to being introspective, do you ask yourself why you are feeling those emotions, allow them to be felt, and then choose a more positive emotion to focus on? 
Do you practice affirmations and constantly remind yourself that you are worthy, you are capable? Or does your inner mean girl come out more than you would like to admit? Does she tell you that you cannot do this or that? That you will never lose the weight? That you cannot be successful at your own business? That you are not a good wife or mom? When she does rear her head, do you recognize her and send her away? Or do you dwell on her words? I will tell you that your inner dialogue, how well you handle negative emotions, and the seeds that you are constantly planting and tending to, those things are often a result of the people you are surrounding yourself with. I don't know if you have ever heard the saying, but you become like the five people you spend the most time with. And some people respond to that with, well, that's not fair. I cannot control the people I'm surrounded by at work or at school or my clients. But that is only partly true. Sure, you cannot necessarily control those people, but you can control who you are filling your mind with. Podcasts, audiobooks, praise music. Those are all ways you can fill your mind with things that will, if watered, grow into beautiful flowers rather than weeds. I pay very close attention to my five. I am constantly reevaluating who my five are. My five right now, at the time that I'm recording this, are my husband, my push coach, Josh, my upline mentor, Abby, Brad Bizjack through podcasts, and my accountability team. I count them as one person. Of course, this is going to change with the seasons, which is why it is so important to be constantly evaluating and reevaluating your five. And let me just remind you, You cannot change the people around you, but you can change the people who are around you. Last, but certainly not least, the final component of self-care that I want to talk about is treating yourself. Yes, within self-care, there is room for pampering and treating. After all, this is the fun part, right? The spa days, indulging in a bubble bath or a piece of chocolate cake without guilt the girls' nights out, or the solo trip to Target. Whatever it is that you love, whatever lifts your soul, those things that can sometimes be viewed as guilty pleasures, those things have a place in self-care. The thing I want you to get is that these things should not be the whole of self-care. These things should not be so few and far between that we run to them when we are about to be swallowed whole by the stress and chaos of life. These things should take a back seat to the other daily things that we have already talked about. The not so fluffy and frilly things that require some inner work. But they are important and they should be scheduled and planned for. I know I told you I was going to share some secrets with you on how to incorporate these daily things into your life on the regular. And I am, but honestly, each individual is going to be different. The things you need to work on and focus on, the boundaries that are healthy for you, the mindset pieces that you need to develop, they are all going to be different depending on your circumstance and situation right now. But Tony Robbins teaches three steps to mastery. And those three steps are going to help you to incorporate these daily practices of self-care into your life. But before we talk about those, let's go back and review what those five key components of self-care are. The first one, 
is taking care of your body daily. Live by the 80-20 rule in your nutrition. Sweat or stretch daily. Drink your water and get the rest that you need. Number two is being introspective and understanding what you need and why your body is reacting in the ways that it is reacting. Number three is boundaries. Know your boundaries, set your boundaries, enforce your boundaries. Number four, guard the doors to your mind. You got to pull the weeds and tend to the flowers. Be very selective as to what you allow into your mind. And last, but not least, is the pampering and treating yourself. Yep, the spa days, the chocolate cake, all of those things that we typically associate with self-care. Okay, now, back to the three steps to mastery, as taught by Tony Robbins. The first step is cognitive mastery. Now, this is when you know you need to do something. You say things like, I know I need to make time for self-care. I know I need to exercise regularly. I know I need to eat healthier. I know, I know, I know. But that's where it stops for most people. They know they should be doing something, but they never actually get around to doing it. The next step of mastery is emotional mastery. And this brings in the why. But why do you need to do something? Why do you know you need to practice self-care daily? Why do you need to live a healthier lifestyle? If your why doesn't get past that first superficial layer, if it doesn't hold a deep meaning for you, if you don't revisit your why daily, you will never get to a level of emotional mastery. Those who have achieved emotional mastery, they know they need to live a healthier lifestyle because they want to be able to enjoy their grandkids one day. They want to travel with their spouse when they retire and be healthy enough to enjoy it. They do not want to develop heart disease at a young age like their dad did. They have an emotional, personal why behind what it is they need to do, and they understand the consequences and how it will affect their lives if they do not do it. You won't see people at the emotional mastery stage saying things like, I know I need to. Rather, They are doing the things. After emotional mastery comes physical mastery. And physical mastery is simply creating habits. It's when your body just does something because that is what you have trained it to do. It's brushing your teeth every morning. The way you put on your pants. The way you put your hair up in a bun. These are habits. And self-care can become a habit. Training your mindset can become a habit. Healthy living can become a habit. And once you have developed a habit, ingrained it into who you are, that is when your life will start to change. I hope these tips have helped you. I hope you have a more clear picture of what self-care truly is and not just what our culture labels it as. If you want to live your best, most fulfilled, most successful life, you have to first take care of yourself. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Top Knots and Double Shots podcast. Before you go, I would love to hear from you. If you loved what you heard today, I would so appreciate it if you would drop me a review. And if you had any mega takeaways, share them with your friends, your neighbors, heck, anybody. Share them on your Instagram and your Facebook stories too and tag me at Partying With Twins. 
Until next time, ladies, keep your top knots high and your coffee hot and love the life you're living.